check. Well, welcome to Family Matters. This is a series where we talk about what it means to be a church family and, and why it, that matters, um, which is why we call it Family Matters. And, and part of the goal for this series is actually from the beginning was to, to help us to rethink church beyond just Sunday morning, beyond an event on Sunday morning, but to rather see the, the idea of church as a dynamic uh, gathering a movement of people who are gathered around the idea that God is up to something in the world and, and we get to be a part of it. That's actually what church is. Now with all of that said, today we're actually going to just focus on Sunday and then the Sunday experience because the Sunday experience is super important and we're going to talk about that. But first, a story. Uh, a couple years ago, before Colorado Life Church was around, um, I had this unique opportunity to visit like 25 churches over the course of about a year, which was super interesting to me. And, and honestly, if it, that doesn't sound interesting to you, you are normal. Like it's a, uh, it, it, you, have to, you have to remind yourself that I've been in church work my adult life, my whole adult life. So think of it as like a professional interest to go see all these different churches. But I went to all these different churches and, and during that period, I was hanging out with a guy named Luke Westcott. Some of you guys know Luke. And at the time, Luke was, was not a Christian. He was kind of exploring faith, kind of open to things about God. And we were talking about that. We didn't know each other. It was, it was fun to think back on that because we didn't know each other that well. And uh, I think back to some of those conversations. And I remember somewhere in that portion of time, I said, Luke, I'm going to all these different churches. Why don't you, would you be interested in coming to one with me, and, and, and he said, sure, let's do it, and so we set up a time, we picked a church, we picked a Sunday, and we made plans. Uh, as, as the day approached, right the day before or something like that, Luke had to cancel because he, had to, he got called in to work, and I was like, bummer, I was really excited, we finally lined it up for us to go to church together, and, and he wasn't able to come, but Christy and I went to, and our family went to this church anyway, and, you know, the, the experience to start was really solid. We liked it. The kids liked it and that kind of stuff. And then the guy started to preach. And he started talking about circumcision <laughs> in the intro for like 20 minutes. Okay, okay, in all fairness, it probably wasn't 20 minutes, it was, but it was a solid 7 to 10 minutes. I promise you, it was so eternally long. And the reason it felt eternally long, long to me like, is because all I could think about was what if Luke was sitting in that chair, like right next to me, like what if Luke had come to church that morning? And I remember thinking to myself this funny thought, I'm really glad Luke didn't come to church today. I'm really glad that my friend who's interested in exploring God didn't come to church today. Like, what's wrong with that statement? And if you've ever invited somebody to church, maybe you've had a similar experience. In fact, if you never have, do it. It will change the way you look at church to see church through their eyes, to, to be sitting there and you're, you're wondering, how, what, how does that, how do they take that? 
Do they understand that? To see church through the list of, of notes that you make on the back of your bulletin that you're going to bring up to them at lunch, you know, like, to under, you know, you need to explain this and understand that. And what he meant was, you know, that kind of stuff. It changes the way you look at church, and I think it's good for us to think about what would it, you know, what, what, what do people who don't go to church, what, if they came to church, what's their experience going to be like? And I think in my personal experience, I'll, I'll shoot honest, to be honest with you, in my personal experience, I don't, from what I see of the average local church, it's not a great place for people who are unchurched. It's not a great place to bring people who don't normally go to church, even the people who are maybe interested in connecting with God. And see, for some of us, this makes us really sad. We, we, we don't, we, we, this, this, this is a conundrum to us. Not because of, of what we believe about church necessarily. It has more to do with what we believe about the founder of church. Here's what I mean by that. When it comes to Jesus Christ, um, when you read about his, his, uh, his life and his work through in the eyewitness accounts in, the, in the, the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's what, called, what we call the Gospels, when you read about what Jesus was like, you might find that it's remarkable what, some of the things he taught, some of the things he did, the miracles, if you believe those are true, you might think those are remarkable but to me, honestly, what I keep coming back to time and time again, what's most remarkable to me about Jesus Christ is, is the fact that you see all over the New Testament that people who were nothing like him flocked to him. That there was just something about Jesus that, that people who were nothing like him liked him. I mean, in, in people who, like, who were labeled sinners or pagans or ungodly were constantly around him to the point where it caused problems for him because people assumed he was maybe a pagan or ungodly or sinner. You know, like, like he, got, he, he got associated with them. But he didn't seem to mind because not only did they like him, it seemed like he liked them as well. Even though he was a re religious leader, he did not spend time with religious people. And the religious people, the, the establishment, were consist consistently offended by this fact. And, and that actually made him more attractive to people outside, on, on the outside. And, and people who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, as holy as he was, as righteous as he was, they were comfortable around him. Which is why we say this. Since people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus, people who are nothing like Jesus should like us as well. Oh, I got a clap. This is great. Give me a good morning at church. People who are nothing, since people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus, people who are nothing like us should, should like us. Is that how, wait, sorry. People who are nothing like Jesus should like us as well. There should be something about us. After all, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, right? Which means we're trying to follow and emulate him in, in, in any way possible. The way we live our lives, the way we love each other, 
the way we, 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 you know, who we are to people around us that should, that should be in there. When, when we all get together, and, and here's the thing, here's how, how it affects what we're talking about today. If people who are nothing like us, like Jesus, if they like us, when we get together, when you get a bunch of us in the room, they should be drawn to be here, right? There should be something about uh, what, is, what is going on here that, 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 uh, that draws people in. And therefore, we think church should be for people who don't go to church. We should just, we should just have that problem all the time. Like, well, is church for church people? I don't know. But we have, un- we have people who don't go to church here all the time because they want to be with us. And when they're with us, I think that it should be an experience that's helpful, that's at least understandable. And when they come away, the, 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 when they come away from spending time with a bunch of us in a setting like this, they should come away and say, I don't know, they might say, I don't know if I believe everything they believe, but those are some of the most genuine people that I've met, and I might even come back next time I'm not skiing. That's the way it should be. And that's, um, the problem is, is today the average local church is just the opposite. The irreligious, the unbelieving, the people who, I don't know what I believe, they're not here. When it comes to the local church, they've decided it's not for them. Why is that? That's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about as a family today in Family Matters. Here's our vision. We talked about this last time, that our vision is to be a church that puts the bottom rungs on the ladder for those who are wanting to connect with God. Um, and we, we use this illustration of, of, of a ladder that is missing the bottom rungs we, to remind us, we keep this visible all the time, to remind us that we want to be the type of church that's putting the bottom rungs down here. Um, and this week and next week, I'm going to explain our strategy for how we plan to be a church that puts the bottom rungs on the ladder. And, and, and specifically, we're going to talk about how we're going to do it on a Sunday morning this morning. But here's the thing. Here's a warning. In order to do this, it will require us to do things a little differently. It'll require us to be a different kind of church. It will require us to think differently. And as we're going to see here in the passage from Scripture today, it's going to require us to give up some things. It's going to require us, uh, it, it's going to cause problems, it's going to be messy, and it's going it's to make its own set of challenges for us. But here's the thing. The good news is, is the church, this is not the first time the church has faced challenges like this before. This is not the first time that the church has had to modify its approach in order to accommodate those who want to come in. See, in fact, the very, in the, the very first followers of Jesus, they had to deal with this. Um, and I want to spend a couple, a couple minutes talking about uh, something that happened in the book of Acts. Um, our passage last time we were together was found in Acts 2. If you were here last time, we talked about day one of the local church. It was a big day. The passage we're going to look at today is actually found in Acts chapter 15. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, otherwise we'll have it here on the screen. In Acts chapter 15, from Acts 2 to, to uh, uh, Acts 15, about 20 to 25 years had passed. So remember last time we were together, it was day one of the church. Where we're going to pick up today, the church is now about 20, 25 years old. 
and the church during that couple decades had continued to grow very, you know, like substantially. Not quite, remember if you were here last time, they grew on the first day, they grew from like a, a hundred or two hundred to like several thousand overnight. In 24 hours, they had a really good church service and like thousands of people joined them. Um, they didn't quite maybe grow as explosively that, as that, but the, the growth was aggressive year after year as, as the disciples and the, 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 the new followers of Jesus started to take that message outside of Jerusalem. It started in Jerusalem and it went outside of there and it grew. Now for the first decade, this is, this is kind of interesting, but for the first decade or so of the, the life of the church, the Christian movement was basically a Jewish, it was a Jewish movement. It was basically Jewish believers, people who were Jewish that, that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And this, this made sense because Jesus was Jewish himself. The followers were Jewish, so they quickly were able to translate that. But what happened uh, after, with a little bit of time over time was they started to see a bunch of people outside of the Jewish religion, who they called Gentiles, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it was, it was kind of crazy because, um, and really actually this was no surprise because Jesus had talked about that this would happen, that, that eventually, you know, hey, it's going to start with you guys, but this is kind of like a message for the whole world. So, so like it's going to go beyond that, but when it did go beyond Judaism, it caused some problems. It, it, it brought some challenges and, and, and it raised some questions, mainly this main question. How Jewish does someone need to become to be considered a Christian? Like that was the question that kind of kept arising in that first 20 years is like how Jewish does one need to become to be considered a Christian, to be considered a part of the church? Now keep in mind the, the Jewish religion had 613 laws that they had to observe. They had dietary laws, they had laws for the Sabbath, they had laws for sacrifice, they had all of these different laws. And so questions started asking like, okay, so I'm becoming, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not Jewish. Do I need to start eating the way you guys do? Do I have to keep the dietary laws? Do, do, do we not eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? You know, like there's a lot of pagan idols in that culture at the time, and there was a lot of meat from that, those idols. Can we eat that meat? And these questions kept coming up. Do we need to go and celebrate the Jewish holidays you guys are celebrating? And see all of these, these Greek and these pagan people, they, they weren't familiar with the customs, and they're trying to figure out what do I have to do? And the, you know, the Jewish people are like, I don't know. They're trying to figure it out themselves. <laughs> but here's the one that was the biggest sticking point. <laughs> was, was the biggest custom that was in question was the Jewish requirement for circumcision. See, technically, to, to be Jewish, a male was required to be circumcised. Was that a requirement for, to follow Jesus? Because that's kind of a big deal. You know, like, like you think it's overwhelming to go to church right now. Imagine being a 40-year-old male, and you're like, hey, I kind of, you know, I hear about this Jesus. I'm thinking about being a follower of Jesus, and my wife's really into it. But what about that requirement? <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second? And it was like this big deal, and it kept coming up. It kept coming up. And, 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 and honestly, like, they, they'd ask, like, do you need to do this in order to be a Christian? And, and some would say yes. And some would say no. It finally got to this point where the leaders of the church 
actually said, okay, listen, we got to figure this out. And so every, all of the leaders are like, okay, Paul, I know, you, I know you're doing great work over there in Asia Minor, but come back to Jerusalem. And Peter, you know, you're doing great, buddy, but we, we need to talk. We need to figure out what it, what it means to be, you know, like a Christian. Like, what, is it, what does it require to be a Christian? How Jewish do you have to become? And so they pulled everybody together. And this is, this is in Acts 15. It, 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 it's Acts 15 um, re starts like joyfully, they, like, like with a joyful scene as they're catching up with one another and they're starting to see, oh my gosh, like God is doing some amazing things in the world. Like, like over here, oh, I can't believe that. That's so cool. But then they quickly get to the business at hand. In fact, somebody just stands up and he's like, he basically says, everybody must be circumcised. Hashtag Moses. And he sits back down, you know, like, <laughs> You know, like, that's just the law, you know? Somebody got up and said that. And then Peter gets up, and he's like, hold on, yeah. Basic, ba in essence, Peter says, yeah, you're right. We are special. As Jewish people, we, we've been chosen by God. Israel was chosen. But, you know, we got Moses. We got Abraham. We got Isaac. We got Jacob. It's true. It's pretty cool to be Jewish. But here's the thing. God has made it clear that, that, that we, even though we are special, we are not the only recipients of this message. Even though we are special, this message is not for us. He's made it clear it's for the world. In fact, it, Peter even says at one point, God makes no distinction between us and them, between Jewish people and Gentiles. And he sits back down, and then Barnabas and Paul get up, these two guys that that uh, had, were kind of on the front lines. They were kind of on the expanding edge of Christianity at the time. And they get up and they start talking about all of these, these, these phenomenal things that they'd been seeing. That they'd been seeing, like Jews and Gentiles, pagans and Romans, circumcised people and uncircumcised. It kind of didn't matter. God was at work in people's lives. They, they saw the power of God working in people. And so they sit back down. And then finally, James stands up. And James is the brother of Jesus. And honestly, it's, it's, it, I, I don't believe just anything. I don't, there's a lot of things I don't believe to be true in life. Part of the reason why I take the, Bible, it, it, take the Bible seriously is because of guys like James. James, the brother of Jesus. Because what would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God? <laughs> You, wouldn't you be, like, the biggest skeptic? And, and honestly, it kind of seems like we don't see James at all when Jesus is alive. I think James was like, you're nuts, man. I think James had to see a guy die and then walk again to believe that his brother was the son of God. So James, and, and we see him here. He's one of the leaders in the church, and he gets up and he says, brothers, in light of what Peter said, in light of what Paul and Barnabas said, and in light of, light of the Old Testament, he quotes a, a verse out of the book of Amos. He says this very incredible um, statement that is, it's been so profound for our church. He says this, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Brothers, who, who are we? If people want to draw close to God, who are we to get in the way of that? 
Let's, in fact, brothers, let's make sure we're not doing that. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. And then he basically, he goes on to say, so let's keep it simple. Let's, here's what we're going to tell all the churches around that we can tell. Here's, here's what people should do. They should abstain from sexual immorality, and they should probably just stay away from food and meat that has been associated with idols, with idol worship. That's it. <laughs> 613 laws into probably shouldn't do these two things. Probably stay away from that. It, it, see, what we find in, in this verse and what we find on that day is a church, this is so important, a church that is willing to shift, a church that is willing to change, a church that is willing to change and give up practices that are familiar to them, and they were probably meaningful to them, right? They were willing to be mindful and keep it simple, to boil 613 things down to two things so that it wouldn't be difficult for people to come to God. My question for us today is really simple. Are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to do the same when it comes to church? And personally, I, I, think, I think the church in the United States right now, the, the average local church right now is at a crossroads where we have to choose. Uh, it, it, do you remember, years ago, uh, pre-Vatican II, the um, masses were in Latin. I, I, I just learned this a couple of years ago. I was like, really, they were in Latin? Like, most people didn't even understand what was going on. <laughs> and they decided, you know what, maybe we should change that. And they did. Now they're in whatever language, you know, whatever languages people need. I think that the Protestant church is at a very similar place in church. We're not speaking in Latin, but we might as well be for a lot of people. For the average person who hasn't been to church in a while, coming to church, and I think we're at a crossroads. And I ask you, church family, are we willing? Are we willing to do the same when it comes to church? Because here's my, here's my theory. This, this is another really good way to put it. If church was a ski run, I think the average local church, the average Sunday morning experience at a local church is kind of like a black diamond. You know, for those of you, let me explain the metaphor for those of you who might not understand this. <laughs> so like in skiing, you've got green runs, which are the novice easy runs. You've got blue runs that are intermediate. And then you've got black diamonds, which are expert. I think the average local church, if you stepped into the average local church right now, it's a black time. In fact, some of them are black, double blacks. Lots of them are. Which, don't get me wrong, I love black diamonds. Maybe you do as well. Like, they're extremely fun when you've been skiing your whole life. But if it's your first day on skis, they're downright terrifying. Right? I think the same thing is happening in our church, in our churches. 
let's help people learn how to ski. <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's be the type of church where it's not terrifying. See, here's a couple questions for you. How good of a skier does somebody need to be in order to take up skiing? <laughs> to ha- how good of a skier does somebody need to be to have a, a good time skiing on their first day? How churchy does somebody have to become in order to participate in church? How much do they need to know for church to make sense? How much do they need to understand about what's going on for church to make sense? How much do they need to believe before they can belong? How much do they need to be like us in order to be comfortable with us? See, we've decided as a church to do what the apostles did and not make it difficult for people to start skiing. Not make it difficult for people to climb the ladder of faith. We've decided to do whatever we can do to lend a hand to those who are reaching. And we decided we wanted to put the bottom rungs on the ladder every Sunday morning every Sunday morning so that you can invite your friends and they can have an experience that, uh, yeah, maybe I don't, uh, that, that was helpful, uh, uh, interesting. My kids had a great time. I, I'm not sure I believe everything, but it was good. And see, here's why. This is, so this is kind of some of the stuff we do in order to put the bottom rungs on the ladder. We want to be a church that puts the bottom rungs on the ladder, which is why we've tapped some of you on the shoulder to volunteer and to host Hosting is really important because we want people, we say this every, every Sunday morning uh, in the huddle up, if you've done this with us, let's go, you know, uh, go make people feel at home in church. Your job this morning is to make people feel at home in church. So that's why we have you put signs out. If you're ever on the hosting team, that's why you put signs out in the snow. That's why, it's why we, we, um, we got people down in the parking lot because we, we know that people, like, we, we, we want people to feel welcome. We want people to feel like we're, we've expe- we're expecting them. We're expecting guests. We want that to be a good experience from the very get-go. We want people to feel at home here. And, and if you're in part of guest services and you do that, it, honestly, if, you, if we do it well, you're bottom rung for someone. You're potentially a bottom rung for someone. Kids' life. We, we, we have a couple key priorities when it comes to our kids. Safety, and then really, really tangible stuff you know, that they can grasp onto and remember. Simple things like God loves you. God wants to be your friend. You can trust God. Those are, I mean, they're learning such incredible things. I promise you they're having more fun than you are right now. And we, we try to make it safe. We, have, you know, we make sure that your kids are never alone with an adult. We're just one-on-one with an adult. There's always two, at least two adults. Even though we're this tiny church and we got two adults back there in all of our environments because safety is important. When people are coming in, they're, they're wondering. I don't want, we don't want people worried about their kids. We want your kids to have a blast. And see, when you do kids' life and you're not in here with us and you're missing out on the, the worship and the sermon and that kind of stuff, Thank you. 
Because what you're doing is you're, you might just be putting, you might just be making a bottom rung for someone. If you're, what we do in this time, if you're part of the band or the tech or the videos, we just think it, 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 it feels good. Sometimes we just need to come in, we need to smile, and sometimes we just need to lose ourselves in music. And if you help out in that, that, that realm or in that arena, sometimes, like, we always, I said this last week, but we always try to put the songs, or we always put the songs, the majority of the songs, after the sermon to give people space to think and to reflect. And if you help out with that, what you're doing is you're giving people that chance to, to pray. Maybe some of us haven't prayed much this week, and maybe some of the people coming in here, they haven't prayed in years. And you gave that to them because we think that's a bottom rung for someone. When it comes to the sermon, I, there's a lot of thought and intention. It's really a team. You, you see me all the time, actually, but it's really a team effort. Um, we put a lot of time and thought into the topics we pick. That are, we want them to be biblical, but not just biblical. We want them to be helpful to somebody who might, regardless of what they believe, um, You'll hear me, uh, I, I, while our sermons are always biblical, I always try to just focus on one verse because I can make myself look really smart by just jumping around the Bible. I can do that. That might make people feel dumb. And, and frankly, like if I do that, you got, no one's going to remember what verses we looked at. If we look at one verse, Acts 15. You, and you might be able to go home and be like, what was that? It's Acts 15, and open it. And in that, I'm, I get a chance to bottom rung the Bible for you. That's my approach. That's why <laughs> we, we want to put the bottom rungs on the ladder, which means, uh, for church, which means that I have to run a mile for every minute over 40 that I, I preach, which means I got to keep moving here. Because, because nobody, nobody likes a long-winded preacher. You know, honestly, I'm not afraid to go deep in the sermons, but as we go deep, we talk about bottom-runging terms like prayer and confession, repentance, or sin. Like, we don't just throw those around. I kind of just did, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like, we, we try to bottom-run. If we talk about those things, we, hey, this is what that means. And it's good for us, even if we've been in church our whole lives. I try to be as comprehensive, self-aware, and unassuming as possible. And we're not afraid to challenge. Like, I, I'm not afraid. To, you guys know I'm not afraid to challenge you. But anytime I give a challenge, I make sure to make it a point like, hey, th if you're a Christian, this is a challenge for you. If you're not, I'm not going to hold you to a standard you don't hold yourself to. And see, all of this, all of these, all of these environments, all of the kids' life, the sermons, the, the, the music, the videos, all of that, we try to do that in such a way that is appealing to people and un not offensive to people because there is something that we do that is offensive. Here's the thing. The gospel itself, as appealing as the gospel is, that God loves you and he's gone to great measures to be with you. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is also extremely humbling. It's, it's extremely humbling because it requires us to come to grips with the fact that we aren't just mistakers in need of guidance. We are sinners in need of a savior. And that's a tough pill to swallow, especially if you've never thought of it that way. And we want to create environments where, yes, we talk about that, 
but we also create space for people to think about it, to process. It's what I needed. It's what you probably needed as well. Sometimes people need space. And honestly, I love what I get to do because I feel like I get to put the bottom rungs on the ladder Sunday after Sunday. Do you know what one of the most accessible and best rungs that we have here at Colorado Life Church is? Scatter Church. If, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with it, the fourth Sunday of every month, we go and scatter church. We, we set out, we, we kind of a year ago said to ourselves, what, what if we did some things a little bit differently on Sunday mornings? What if we, we got beyond the sermon and song thing and went and did things that matter for people in our community? And what we learned in 2017 was, was that even though we're a small church, we can have a really big impact. Did, did some of you guys feel that last year? Like some of those things that we did, it's like, it, it's so cool because we meet at 10 a.m. here every time and it's, it, we are done by noon every time. Like, we're really committed to two hours. What we do in those two hours, oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. It's so fun. Do you know that we've had people, like, approaching us? Like, we've, we've people, like, finding us on Facebook and be like, can, can we come? Because that, that, what you guys are doing is cool. I'd like to bring my kids. I'd like to do this. It, it's like, yeah. Because <laughs> there should be something about us that draws people who are not like us, too what we're doing. should be something like that. And honestly, we'll, we, Scatter Church is just getting started. It's going to be so, 2018 is going to be great. Use that. That's a phenomenal tool, maybe the best tool that you have to invite your friends to church. It's something that, that, that people can get behind. It's really, really fun. See, here's our theory. Here, here's my theory behind all, all this, if we can create enough rungs on the ladder, we might just get to see some people climb that ladder. If we can create, like, like just time and time again, if we can give people handles, entrances into this idea of faith, we might get to see people grow in their faith. We might get to see people draw closer to God. And that it, it fires us up. And honestly, the, the fire, and this is why we don't mind asking you to get involved. We don't mind asking you for help because we think this is so worthwhile. And so, so here's what I would ask from you. If you want to help, if you want, this, this, the next couple minutes, this is, this is family talk. If you're part of the church family, this is for you. But here's what we would like you to do. We'd like you to volunteer consistently. We'd like you to give financially. And we would like you to attend regularly. We would like you to volunteer consistently. And here's the deal. A lot, basically all of you are already doing that. Keep going. Volunteer consistent, as consistently as possible in tech, in kids' life, in the band. You're like, like, it means a lot. It sometimes seems inconsequential. It's not. We're putting the bottom rungs on the ladder by, by doing things well. Keep it up. 
there's some other ways to get involved. We need help cleaning the church on a regular basis. We need, um, we need kids, kids Life volunteers. Uh, now that we're adding a week uh, this year, we, we, we need more volunteers there. Um, and we, we need uh, another, another um, uh, skill set we need. If, if somebody's good at event planning and wants to be part of the scattered team that kind of runs those events, we, we, we want to make, we want to assemble a team in the next month or so. And so honestly, if, if you're already volunteering and if you're one of those type of people that has a hard time saying no and an easy time feeling guilty when someone is asking you for stuff, just, just take, take a deep breath. And, and honestly, don't sign up. <laughs> don't worry. You, you don't need, you need to sign up and you don't need to worry because God, <laughs> like, God's given us, uh, you guys know our story, like a lot of you know our story. God's given us everything we need through this whole venture. So if, 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 if you're giving as much, if you're volunteering as much as you, you can at this point, great. But if you can volunteer more, volunteer consistently, that helps us a ton. Second thing, we want you to give financially. Now I know there's all sorts of problems with a guy up here with a microphone taking a check from the church asking about money. Here's a couple things you need to know about us when it comes to money. We have really clean books, and if you ever wanted to see, we have very transparent books. If you ever wanted to see the books, just call us. We'd love to show them to you. We have, we have lots of accountability. It's similar to kids, like nobody, nobody's ever just one, one-on-one with the finances. It's always like a, like a team approach. There's always at least a couple people, smart people, not like me when it comes to money, but like good people in charge of the money. So I wanted you to know that. Here's, here's another thing I want you to know when it comes to, to money and us. As the leader, from the very beginning, I, I have asked to not know what, uh, how much people give. I just, I just don't want to know like what people are giving because I just, I, I don't really go, I don't really play favorites, but I just don't want the temptation to play favorites based on what people are giving or like I should give them more time. I just, I wanted to do away with all of that and said, so I said from the beginning, you guys look at the finances, but just, you know, I'm not going to know the specifics. And then the last thing, um, that I want you to know is if, if, if a preacher asking you for money puts you off, please don't give. Please, it, it, let me say it this way. Please don't give here. Don't feel like you need to give here. But can I encourage you to give somewhere? Because there's just something really powerful that happens when we give and grow in generosity. So if, you, if, if this isn't your scene, don't give here. But give somewhere, because there's something that happens in our heart, and I, I, want, I would love to have that for you, but it doesn't have to happen here. Okay, here, here's, here's what I want you to know when it comes to finances. Right now at CLC, we are fully cared for, but we are not fully funded. We are not where we would like to be, and, and the reason the reason we don't like where we're at, we are right now with the finances is because we're extremely limited. We, we, are, um, we are missing opportunities. See, we, we have a wish list. The, uh, the leadership team, we have a, a wish list of things that we'd like to do. And, and some of those include like, yeah, we need a new printer or equipment and stuff like that. But just can I, can I bring you into how we think and how we dream here for a second? Honestly, like, what we dream about beyond the day-to-day stuff is 
we would love to this year be an entry in the big chili cook-off as a church. <laughs> like, we think that would be awesome. <laughs> we would love to join Rotary. I, let me say that. Jessica would love to join Rotary. I'm not, it's too early in the morning for me. We would love to be there. One of the things that we'd love to do is we'd love, we would love to, to create, uh, make Sunday morning a, a Facebook live event because we have this extremely transient traveling culture, right? And what if people could join us for the full experience online every Sunday? That, we thought that would be really cool. What if we could do Easter at the lake house? <laughs> these, are, this, these are things that we are dreaming. Like, all these cost money. All of these things, it takes money. It, they're not free and, and, and what, what's, we want to do them, not just because they're cool, but they're solid bottom rungs. They're great ways for us to be outside of here, be the church. And so we ask, if, if it's possible for you, and uh, I, honestly, I, I feel weird asking because so many, uh, some of you, I know you give. We, we, we talked about it, and, and I thank you for that. But if it's possible for you to give more and to give sacrificially, gosh, it would be fun. The things we could do would be great. And lastly, we want you to attend regularly. <laughs> this one's really funny, but like, it's actually kind of a big deal. Like, this is actually a really big bottom rung. Having a room that's full of people makes a room feel good. <laughs> and so if, 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 if when you can, as much as you can, make Sunday morning a priority. In, in, uh, for some of you, I, I know, like, that's all you can do. You can't volunteer, you can't give much. Like, if, come. We, lo- like, we love seeing your face. Come and be a bottom rung with us on Sunday mornings. Let's put the bottom rungs on the ladder. I'm really excited. I get to close with this, this story. It's not a story. It's actually, it's a letter we received recently from a young man um, here who started attending CLC about 18 months ago. Um, The letter started like like this. I'm going to read excerpts of it and talk you through part of it, but it says, my name is Zach Spate, and this is a personal testimony to how I've accepted Christ into my life and why I believe Colorado Life Church is the reason I've had a change of heart. He goes on to explain um, that even though he grew up in the church, he reached a point um, where he identified himself as, as an atheist, as a non-religious person, because, mostly because of the hypocrisy he saw in the church. <laughs> Some of us have that story. Some of us can understand that. Um, and then beyond that, he, it's, there was some, there's shenanigans. He just didn't understand like, why I dress up and why all these things. And, he, and he, um, a couple years ago, his family moved from, from Ohio to, to Colorado, and, and they started attending churches here in Colorado, and, and, and he was brought along into that. And church after church were just kind of like the churches he's resented in the past. And then one day, a friend of his named Roy Grossbach invited them to church and Zach said, because the respect that he had for Roy, he, he's like, let's go. Um, 
he described his first impressions of, uh, at CLC as a breath of fresh air, which is really interesting because at the time we were at the castle at our last place, which was, we called it the castle, but we were in the basement. We were in the, the dungeon. Um, and um, he, he said it was a, fresh breath, a breath of fresh air. Uh, and what was remarkable, uh, it, 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 he, he described it as like the, this dusty, unfinished, you know, there's some lights that were out, that kind of thing. But he said he fell in love with that aspect of the building because, quote, there were no extraneous things such as big altars or fancy carpet. Actually, there was no carpeting at all <laughs> to show off with. It's just church. And then um, as to the sermon, he, he didn't listen to much of the sermon because he was... Um, distracted by my afro. <laughs> just, I guess, cool. Um, but he says this when he, after talking with me and others afterwards, he sensed sincerity and a genuine love for others. And then the, the, the last, I'm going to read the last three sentences of this, and we have it for you up here. But the raw, unfinished, and gritty ambiance of the building. Combined, combined with the mannerisms of the pastor, set a very down-to-earth atmosphere. I love this next. Even if I didn't believe at the time, I liked how the people made me feel at home, even if they didn't know me or the least bit of my story. They just simply wanted to show God's love without all the stuff we can see a lot of churches get caught up in. That's what we want to be. That's who we are. This is what happens when we put the bottom rungs on the ladder. This is why, this is why I love Sundays. This is why church matters. This is why family matters. Because we get to do this. Let me say a prayer for us. God, I, I pray that we would not get in the way of what you are doing. Lord, I pray that we would be open to how you are moving in people's lives. And, and, and if anything that we're doing gets in the way of that, I pray that you would let us know. Lord, we want to be like your son. We want to, it, it is, as Jesus followers, we want to be like him in every way. And I pray that we could be like him, that people who are nothing like Jesus, like us, that we could be a church. And then when we get together, that people are drawn to what's going on here on a snowy Sunday morning. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this place. And thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you will continue to do. In your name, amen. Thank you.